0: In Acts 3.25, Peter addressed a crowd of Jewish people and said, You are the children of the prophets. Can that title be applied to the sons and daughters of God in the new covenant? Absolutely yes. You'll find out why and also why prophecy is very much a part of our spiritual DNA on this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. It's time
1: to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with your host, Mike Shreve.
0: Right after the man at the gate beautiful was healed, and he went leaping and jumping and praising God after being paralyzed for many years, Peter addressed the crowd of Jews who gathered because they witnessed such a great miracle. And during that powerful message, that second sermon of the new covenant era, Peter said these words to those Jewish people, You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant, which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. So he was addressing a Jewish crowd. Why could we apply that to new covenant sons and daughters of God? For more than one reason. Number one, the scripture says that we have been grafted into Israel. If we have been born again. See, an Israelite, a Jewish person, does not become a Gentile person by accepting Jesus as the Messiah, but we Gentiles are grafted into Israel by accepting Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. So this particular title applies to us as well. We are children of the prophets. And the second reason we can claim this particular name that we should walk in boldly, is the fact that we as the church exist because of the prophetic revelation that came through old covenant prophets that foretold the coming of this new covenant and the new arrangement, the new way God would move in this era. So let's explore this. It's very intriguing to me that we are children of the prophets. That's our status. That's our calling. That's a name applied to us. But I'm not sure we really understand the profoundness of it, the uniqueness of it, and the intriguing depth of it. But let's explore it right now. Old Testament prophetic voices shaped and brought forth this thing called the nation of Israel. From the very beginning, God was witnessing what he was going to do in this world. Enoch was the seventh from Adam and the first named prophet. Of course, Adam gave the first prophecy. As soon as the woman was formed and brought to him, he started prophesying. And he said, for this cause, a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife. And then after that, you have Enoch who very strangely saw the end from the beginning, which is a way God often speaks. And he said, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. So he saw the culmination of the whole process, jumping all the way to the future Messianic era. Isn't that amazing? And then the next primary prophet was Job. And Job, in the midst of his great suffering, prophesied and said, I know that my Redeemer lives and that he will stand upon the earth in the latter days, and though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, in my flesh I will see God. So he gave the hope of the resurrection far in advance of many of the promises that we can claim. He spoke prophetically. One of the next prophets was Abraham, of course, In Genesis chapter 20, verse 7, Abraham was named a prophet. God himself declared that Abraham was a prophet and that he could pray healing for Abimelech's household. And he prophesied of the multitude of offspring that he would have when Sarah was yet barren. And so he prophesied in the face of impossibility something that looked like it could never come to pass. But isn't that the power of the prophetic word? That's why Paul told Timothy later on to fight the good warfare by means of the prophecies that had been spoken over him. Sometimes you have to Speak in the face of absolute impossibility and declare the word of the Lord, and then watch it come to pass. And Abraham, of course, repeated what God told him that his seed would be as numerous as the stars in heaven and the sand by the seashore, and in him and in his seed would all kindreds of the earth be blessed. And of course, that was fulfilled primarily in the Messiah. And when Jesus came, this blessing of God that was contained within the nation of Israel overflowed the banks of Judaism and went into every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And it's still spreading in cultures that have never learned of him before. Thank God. So Abraham was truly prophesied on the highest level of the coming Messiah that would be of his seed. Then Moses was a prophet, And Moses prophesied the 10 plagues of Egypt. He prophesied the entirety of the Torah to the people of Israel. He received the 10 commandments written on tablets of stone on Mount Sinai. But then he also prophesied that there would be another prophet, a great prophet to come that the people would respond to. And of course, that was a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Moses said he would be a greater prophet. Some of the Old Testament prophets foretold very important details of what would happen in the New Covenant. For instance, Jeremiah, in chapter 31 of his prophecies, verses 31 through 34, said, Behold, the days are coming that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And then God listed three things. He said, These are the things that would happen in this quote-unquote new covenant. He said, I will write my law in their hearts. They shall no more. Every man ask his brother or neighbor, do you know the Lord because they will all know me? In other words, everyone in this new covenant era that is participating in the new covenant will have a personal relationship with God. And then the third thing he said, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has blotted out our sins. And those are the three primary aspects of the new covenant that were prophesied in advance. And I love the first one, that God would write his law in our hearts. And to me, that means instead of being just an external demand, laws and rules and regulations that we have to live up to by the power of our own human will, it's a transformation internally, not external, but internal, that gives us the power and the impetus to walk in God's commandments joyfully because we have a new nature. And Ezekiel followed up on that with his prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 and 27. He prophesied that in the new covenant to come, God would put a new spirit in us and give us a new heart and put his spirit within us and cause us to walk in his statutes. It's a fantastic thing that the revelation of the new covenant was being shaped and molded in advance through the prophetic word. And of course, we're the living proof that has come to pass, because when you and I were born again, if that be the case, and if you haven't been born again, I pray you will receive Jesus into your heart soon that was a moment when God didn't just repair a messed up heart. He gave us a new spirit and a new heart, and that's why we're called new creations in Christ Jesus. And he put his spirit within us to give us the power to do what he compels us internally to do, to walk in his ways. Isaiah prophesied of the new covenant Isaiah chapter 9, he said, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So many prophets foretold little details about the coming of the Lord, his his virgin birth, his uh, horrible crucifixion, the resurrection from the dead, the ascension into heaven. So many insights came. But I do want to mention how Joel pulled it together, not only the life of Jesus, but what would result from it in chapter 2 of his prophecies in verses 17 and 18. He said, it shall come to pass in the last days. And by the way, Peter quoted this prophecy in his sermon on uh, the day of Pentecost. And so it started in its fulfillment then. The last days began with the birth of the church because it would be the last great move of God in the earth, a new way of moving in the human race that would bring the human race to that final ultimate harvest of souls that will happen at the end of the age. So the last days has been going on for 2,000 years and peter said it in acts chapter 2 verses 17 and 18 quoting joel's prophecy he said it shall come to pass in the last days," said god says god that i will pour out my spirit on all flesh now watch this connection your sons and your daughters shall prophesy so anyone who has a personal encounter with the holy spirit is empowered to prophesy You may put on the brakes when you hear me say that, but wait just a little while and I will vindicate that statement and I'll prove that it's true. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. All-inclusive statement. That embraces everyone who is born again under the new covenant. And then God said, I will show wonders in heaven and, in the, and signs in the earth beneath. Think of that. So if this includes all the born again children of God, then you should be prophesying, I should be prophesying, every day we should be prophesying, functioning in our prophetic gift. How can that be? Most people think to prophesy, means to have direct inspiration concerning some kind of future event or some kind of hidden or invisible condition in a person's life and the solution that is coming by the power of God. They think prophecy is confined to just that particular type or expression of prophecy. But actually, there's three levels of prophecy. And the first one, every born-again believer can prophesy and function in. It involves speaking the word of the Lord under the power of the Holy Spirit, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You can do that working at a cash register in Walmart. You can do that working on a construction crew in your city. You may come under the anointing to give an answer, to give a response to someone that questions you about the Bible or says something negative about your faith, and God comes upon you with the wisdom to respond to that. That's prophetic. See, when you when you preach a sermon, you can do it two ways. You can just teach a nice five-point message, and anyone can work out a logical sequence of ideas in a message and present a teaching, or you can flow with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the second way is the prophetic way of doing it, and that's something that can happen to you on a daily basis. The more you believe, the more it will happen, and the more you pray, the more it will happen, because the more you will be sensitive to those priceless moments when you know you're supposed to speak into someone's life. The second way of prophesying is to simply echo the prophecies that have already been given by the prophets of old. If you just share some truths out of the book of the Revelation with people that you're in a conversation with, in a sense, you are prophesying on the second level because you are verifying a prophetic word that God gave to a previous individual. The third and most profound way of prophesying, though, is to receive unique prophetic utterances from God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that can come in the form of direct utterances, thus saith the Lord, and bring forth an utterance. That's happened to me many times. It can come in the form of dreams or visions or an audible voice. I'd like to share with you one of the most profound prophetic statements God's ever made. To me and and revelations that he's ever given to me, and I needed to hear this. See, I was going to India at the time, and we were seeing incredible results. This is not stretching it at all. We would see in some cities over a thousand people coming to the altar every night to be saved. In fact, if they got the slightest inclination you were about to make an invitation, they would jump up and start running to the altar. I'd love to see that kind of fervency in all the churches I minister at in the U.S. We would even have to caution the people, don't move so fast, because they could trample the elderly or the children that were in that crowd, and they would slow down a little bit, but they were so hungry for God. And I begged God, I went up in a mountain all day long to fast and pray down in southern India, because I wanted God to release me to live in India the rest of my life and just spend my life ministering to the Hindu people. And he would not release me. And I came back to the U.S. a little disgruntled because I can go a month preaching in different churches here and not see anyone saved, primarily just teaching the saints, which is valuable, really valuable work. But I had that evangelist heart and I want to see people get saved, find the Lord, be born again. And one day I was in prayer about two hours and momentarily fell asleep. And all of a sudden, I was in a vision. I saw an outline of the United States of America and a little red dot right in the heart of America. And then all of a sudden, that red dot exploded exploded. It didn't happen slowly. It happened quickly. That red dot exploded into two blood red words that, like liquid, soaked, one imposed on the other, superimposed on the other. Those two words soaked into the whole map of America so that there was not one city untouched, not one community untouched. The entire map was soaked with this bloody red color. And those two words were Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I know there's a lot of insanity going on in our culture right now, and great evil is rearing its head like a venomous serpent. But I prophesy to you that a coast-to-coast, border-to-border, revival, spiritual awakening as we have never seen, is about to hit this country, and it will happen suddenly. Thus saith the Lord. I received that prophetic dream because God was encouraging me to keep investing my life and investing my ministry in this area of the world primarily because he had something in mind that he's going to bring to pass. So I'm going to bring this to a close but I have two more scriptures, at least, maybe three, that I want to bring out very quickly. First Corinthians 14.21 says, you may all prophesy. You may all prophesy. I know you've excluded yourself from this, probably. You've assigned this to other people that seem more spiritually advanced than you. But if you'll believe God and pray and seek his face and trust him to do it, he'll awaken this prophetic anointing in you because he said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh and his sons and daughters, all inclusive, would prophesy. Maybe it's only going to be on the first level, but keep functioning under the anointing and watch how God increases it. If nothing else, Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus is... The spirit of prophecy in other words if you testify to others what jesus has done in your life automatically you are prophesying what he will do in their lives if they open their heart in a similar way and the testimony of jesus being the spirit of prophecy is also tied in in that particular reference revelation 19 10 with the glory of his second coming and the spirit and the bride say come The bride of Christ worldwide is prophesying, saying, come to him. He's coming again. We're all prophesying of the resurrection of the dead and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the establishment of the kingdom of God in this world. If you really have this burning in your bosom, you've got to participate in the process. And that's the last scripture I'm going to share. It says in Amos chapter 3, verse 8, a lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? So, if you've heard the word of the Lord and responded to it in your life, what's the outcome going to be? Who can but prophesy? In other words, you can't hear that kind of revelation from God without telling others about it. We have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, but in Romans 12, 6, it says, let, let us use them. And if we prophesy, let's do it according to the proportion of our faith. You are children of the prophets. Now go out and function in that role in Jesus' name.
1: Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ.